0: on um, submission, this idea, that we're walking through Lent together, and one of the things, what did we talk about last week, by the way? Let's just have a quick, yeah, that'd be helpful. Thank you. So, uh, uh, a quick one-minute synopsis from last week. What was the discussion? Do you even remember? If not, it's fine. <laughs> I was there, I remember as well. What? Okay, yes, went through Jesus being tempted for, for what reason? What was, the, what was the idea of these temptations to find? You're right very much still, though, yes. I know, I know. I, they're, in my head, the answer is, it's kind of going backwards, it's hard for me. It's like, the answer is in my head, so I reverse it on the question, and it only makes sense in my crazy brain sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it is. The different types of what was it? <laughs> yes. This idea that, that through Lent, through Lent as we begin, as we started Ash Wednesday, and this idea of fasting or this idea of giving up a part of oneself or giving up something that self likes, is to kind of eliminate a few things and, or to kind of teach us about a few things. One of them being that we are, we try to be self-sustaining, right? What was another one? Right, right. We kind of trick ourselves into thinking we're doing something spiritual by just deciding what to do and then being like, oh, God is with us, so he'll make this the right way, right? That sounds great. Let's, let's make it like we're doing the right thing and, and answer around it and go from there. I'm real sorry. I, I don't know if that's our child maybe. It doesn't have to be, and if it's not, that's awesome, but it might be. It's distracting you very badly. Sorry. I would go. I would go and check myself, but it'd be an awkward silence up here. Sorry. I know it's him. So, I'm like sweating on my neck the very first time I heard it, and I was like, oh, no. Anyway, Sorry. Okay, so let's just talk about submitting. That's good, because he's not gonna. He's not gonna back there. So here's this idea. I remembered a few things, because that's not my favorite way of thinking, this idea of submit, okay? Partly why is I remember a few silly things as a child that really do, I think, I mean, they don't haunt me now or anything. I'm over them. Did you ever play this game Mercy? Play this game? What is the goal of this game? To smash your friend's hands off, like to completely twist their fingers into nothingness, right? The way you play, okay, cool, awesome, now I can <laughs> breathe. The way you play is you grab each other's hands in this lovely, friendly manner, right? You grab each other's hands like you're two bears waiting to rip their arms off. You hold each other's hands like this, and you wait, and someone says, go, and then you twist or pull or, or squeeze or something till the other person submits and says, mercy, mercy, then you let go, right? And you won because you hurt their hands bad enough <laughs> to make them say mercy. Dude, I was this like, I was not the like big strong kid that won mercy. Hardly ever. I was definitely the kid that went home every day worried my fingers were smashed off because I would not say mercy. Most certainly that kid. Like the one that was like getting drugged by a big kid with my fingers, just like this, going, "Ah," screaming, and everyone's like, dude, mercy, just say mercy. I'm like, I can't say it, I won't say it, right? So my fingers are, are really just not a part of me anymore, right? Totally that kid. The idea of saying, I give up, ooh, was just like the worst thing in the world. Really? We also played this game. We were terrible country kids. So play this game where there's a towel, just one small like kitchen-sized towel, and you would each grab the towel, two people. And then you would try to make the other person let go of the towel at any means necessary. You could choke them with said towel. You could spin them around and try to throw them off. Anything, anything, nothing. There were no rules to this. My l- life of that game was spent just being drugged and maimed while I was holding on to the towel forever because I did not want to let go of this towel because like. Then you, you lose, you you submit and let go, and it just pained me. Oh, it would just pain me. And I also had this teacher that I remember, she's I'm sure a very nice lady, I'm sure she's smart, but she told me once, <laughs> in like fourth grade, that the Earth's magnetic field came from magnet rocks. And I was like, Man, I just can't I know that's not true. I'm eight years old, but I'm just going to say, no way, that that's not it. I can't, I can't write that down as an answer on this test. No matter what, I will lose. I will not make 100, but I will not say it's from Magnet Rocks. I won't. I won't do it. And we got in an argument in class, and I was trying not to be disrespectful. Probably incorrect, but I was like, in my head, trying not to be disrespectful, but I could not just say, okay. I couldn't say, okay, that's fine, and just write on the test and make whatever grade I was going to make. It just wouldn't work in my weird brain. Because... To me, legitimately, the idea of submitting just hurt a little bit. It just didn't feel good. It sounded bad. It just wasn't something... I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't think it was that it wasn't strong, because it's not like my family taught you have to be strong or powerful in that way. It wasn't that. My parents weren't that way. It was just something about my will losing control of it. And I don't mean that spiritually at the time. It was just really... My, not having control of my will didn't sound good and it pained me legitimately more than it would pain my fingers in mercy or a towel choking me out or whatever else it was really and so this week I'm talking about submitting is hard for a lot of us some of you it's it's not so painful and that's beautiful for you and i'm so excited for you that that's the case for some of us it is Extremely difficult. And it is, it is somewhat, it's somewhat counter to like who we are deep down or something. And, and, or it's counter to who we are, are hoping to be or who we think we are maybe. And so as we start talking about this, just know I'm with you if you're one of those ones. I'm with you all the way. 100%. I can say from up here that husbands and wives are supposed to submit to each other. That is overly, extremely hard for me. It just is. She knows this, and I'm so sorry that it is. But it's hard. Me submitting to authority is hard for me. It just is. Th- those things are difficult, and so I'm with you. And so let's get started with that disclaimer, me just saying, we're, I'm one with some of you. Actually, in our church, I'm one with so many of you, okay? <laughs> let's, not, let's not fool around and lie to ourselves, okay? Like, I'm one with the most of you, <laughs> all right? Since we're, since we're being honest today. So here's what I want to do. Turn to Philippians 2. We're going to be honest today. Turn to Philippians 2. We're going to talk about two, three things. Because we're, not, we're taking a break in our Acts passage, so we're not just going right through Scripture. We're going to talk about three different ways that, that I feel that our church, that we could benefit in submitting. Okay? That, that I feel like are the three probably hardest things for our church to submit to or toward. Okay? And so I want us to look at them hard. And the first one I think we have to express is we have a difficulty submitting to the way or the like, system is a bad word, so I want to say the way. We have a difficulty submitting to the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom. And we may not think we have this difficulty, but we do. And here's here's an example of that. And it's like the, the... the only example that's been popping up in my head all week. So I used to work for Habitat for Humanity uh, for like four years. And the best and worst part of the job was like working with volunteers every day, right? Which was great because you get these people out, these people, some of you I think I met there. So you get these lovely people <laughs> that would come out and they want to build a house, right? They want to they help someone have a house. And they, they know someone that has gone through all the process to get a Habitat house, and, and they pay for them. They don't just, they're not just given to them. But that goes through the process and all the work they have to do and all the sweat equity hours they put in, those people are deserving and wonderful and lovely people. Like 99.9% of them are like the, the best people I've ever met in my life. And so you get these volunteers and they just want to do something right away. They want to help, right? Sometimes they come in a little hot. They come in They come in a little too helpful, all right, right away. And there's a system at Habitat that is made so that it's the way of building a house so that it's easiest for everyone to build the house, right? It's not all people, a lot of us had built lots of habitat houses, right? Some people that I worked with had built 70 and 100 houses. Um, others, 25 houses, 10 houses a year, all those things. So, so we have built a lot of houses and then you have someone come in that's you know, probably not built two houses, right? And they're just ready and they're eager and it, they're excited. And it's beautiful. But sometimes you just want them to just submit to the way that you have to build the house. And this one day, this perfect example, we had, these, um, we had this interesting group. We had this group of um, these older professionals that some had volunteered at Habitat a lot. We called them the, the Wednesday crew. They would come in and volunteer quite a bit at Habitat. And so they like thought they knew how to build a house, right? And then we had a bunch of college students who are absolutely wonderful. College <laughs> students are the best people in the whole world. And both of those people were gonna work together at the same time. And it was gonna be awesome, and there was gonna be fun tension, and it was gonna be great. So I had these two groups, we had these, the two houses we were working on at the same time, and in the back, we have sheds we were supposed to build for them for storage and whatever else, you know, all this stuff. And you can build the shed in a day. You can, if you, if you do it the right way. You can build it in one day and finish it and it's awesome and the people feel really accomplished because you built like this mini house in a day. and It's cool, right? So it's like a, a group that wants to do this, wants to see like results right away and they want to see it in one day and they're done. So we have this group of, just without much word, these old guys that know what they're doing and then we have these college students who absolutely know nothing. One, one person in that group actually asked how to use the hammer. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. I really don't. I don't know how to answer the question. She's like, but how does it work on the nail? And I was like, you strike it repeatedly. That's, that's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. And she was like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. It's the easiest tool in the whole world to use. So anyway, though, the interesting thing is we start out and we tell the people exactly how it should go. And we say, it's best... If you start this way, there's a first step. It's best if you completely level the foundation of the shed in the very beginning. Or nothing is going to be square the whole way. You'll fight it the whole way. It's going to take you forever. It's going to be awful. You can choose to hurry that part of the process and have a terrible day. It's going to be an absolutely frustrating day. You're going to get into fights with each other. It's going to be real bad. Or you can spend an hour and a half not doing anything but leveling the foundation of this. And the college students don't know anything, they think. And so they say, okay, he said, the best thing to do, the person that's been there before and that's done 74 sheds said the best thing to do is level it. We'll level it perfectly. We'll make sure it's absolutely dead on perfectly level. The other guys have built many things before in their lives, and they're (laughs) like, well, really, we think it's probably easier to level if we put the walls up and then level it. I was like, that's fine. You can totally do whatever you want, because I was so excited about them doing it like this and fighting it all day I was like totally fine totally go through however you want who do you think made an awesome shed by the end of the day and felt really proud of what they did and had a great time with each other the college students they did everything exactly the way I'm not saying I'm an expert but to them I was the way the expert said to do it they did it they just submitted to it they said we don't know best we've never built anything None of them had built a birdhouse. A girl had to ask how to use a hammer. They've never built anything, and so they said, "Okay, I will do it in this way." The ones that had done enough to know better chose their own way. Their shed absolutely did not get finished. It was laughably out of square, and the college students had a fun time comparing theirs to it. And we let them loudly. We were like, "Yeah, tell them that yours is painted already. Go tell them that your shingles are on. Go tell them, you know all, the whole day. It was awesome." It was, it was beautiful. But, but in the truth of it, in the truth of it, before we even get into these other two areas, there just needs to be an understanding from us that to submit to the way of Jesus is the whole way of Jesus. We, we aren't submitting to the ways that just get us ahead because you're really not submitting to the way if that's the case. If we're just gonna to submit to the teaching that says our wife or husband has to be the first one to apologize, or they need to be the chief servant or the chief submit- if if that's what you're gonna to submit to and that's it, then you're you're not gonna have a good time. Your your marriage is absolutely that is not how it works, unfortunately. If if we're gonna to choose to submit to the prosperity gospel and saying that that, hey, if we follow certain rules of Jesus, our life automatically goes good. We've seen that be faulty for so many lives, right? If it's a formula, probably going to hurt, right? This idea of submitting the full way of Jesus, this, this way of Jesus that was obedient to death on the cross, this, this idea, this road to the cross we're celebrating and we're walking through with Lent, Jesus, through this whole way, had to continually submit to the way of the Father. And you know what else is crazy? Submits all along the way, right? We have this temptation you were talking about. Does lovely. Submits to the to words and ways of Jesus on this, or the ways of God on this. Goes through, could just feed a bunch of people over and over again and have them worship him and have them be happy and everything be just fine. Fine. And he says, no, actually, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm submitting to the actual way of God, the way of having to have me and not just my gifts, right? And he teaches that, and they all leave. He does things over and over and over again that submit to the hard way. He stays at this party when the religious people are like, what in the world are you doing here? You're with drunkards and tax collectors and prostitutes. And he says, hey, I, I enjoy them. These are, these are my people, it's not the the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick, and they're really fun. And he spends time with them over and over and over again so much that people call Jesus a drunkard and a glutton. They say he's of the devil, even. He's following the actual way of the Father. And he goes on and goes on and goes on, but then one day he's in this garden at the, the end of it. And he's done awesome the whole way, right? It's been great. He's at the garden and he's praying and he's weeping. And what does he pray? This this idea of this one of the last times of submitting. And what does he pray still? Does anyone know? If it's possible, what? Just don't make me do this one. If it's possible, let this cut pass from me. Let it be someone else. Maybe there's another way. Is there another way? The whole way, there's been some minutes, some minutes, some minutes, and then at the end, it's still hard. It's still, does it have to be the full way, right? Does it have to be all the way? What does Jesus do? Goes to the cross and submits yet again. If he goes 99% of the way and then says, no, thank you, that one's too hard, changes everything. And it's the same for us. As you, as you love your spouse, we submit all the way to loving each other more than ourselves. All the way. Not the ones in public that make you look better or the ones that, oh, she's holding that part back too, so I can, and it's okay. When we, are, when we put others at work above ourselves, we're submitting the full way of that. Celebrating their promotion, even though we think it's unfair that they're promoted before us submitting to the way of Jesus all the way through to the end. That's what we have to submit to. There's nothing less than that. Otherwise, we just picked and chose and we're still selfish. And and Lent reminds us that Jesus did not. He went the full way, to the cross, all the way. Obedience to death, even death on the cross. Sounds nice to us because it's religious, but that's all the way. And then, in the midst of that, we submit to serve one another. This is what I want us to read in in Philippians. Philippians 2 says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being of the same same accord and of one mind. It's like saying, if you think Jesus is great, let's be just like him in every way. That's kind of the way overly simplified version of what that just said. If we think Jesus is lovely, let's be lovely in the same ways. This is this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let's be really honest. Who finds it difficult to count someone else more significant than you? Not their needs more pressing than yours. That's easier, right? Right? It's easier when you are flush with cash to say, oh, that person is not, I can give them some of mine because I have way too much. It's much harder to say that person is more significant than me. I can give and give and give and give and give and give and give to them because they are more significant than me. Very different. I think that's a very different mindset to say someone is more significant than ourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Look at verse 6 again who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. To empty ourselves and take the form of a servant. It's not do what? Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not the form of the best giver. It doesn't say, take the form of the nicest person. It doesn't say, take the form of the one everyone knows is the most humble. Right? Taking the form of a servant. A servant does stuff because they feel they are supposed to. Because the system of things says that person is the one who does for everybody else. A servant does what the master asks, right? A servant does not always get praised, right? Which is hard for us. When we do something great, we want people to notice we've done something great and tell us that we're awesome and tell us that we're lovely. A servant doesn't always get told that. Why doesn't a servant get told that? Because their job is to just do it. The idea is for a servant to serve, That's their whole purpose. That's their whole job. And Jesus takes this form just upon himself and says, I know, yes, I'm in the form and nature and likeness of God, but instead, I will put on a new form. I will put on the form of a servant. Now, I feel like a lot of us think that's a great idea until we don't get recognized for being a servant, to be really honest. And I know at our church especially, we can focus even too heavily on serving and doing good acts. We sometimes are even just being really honest about the state of our church. We can, we can, we can ignore this idea that, that Paul screams over and over again to himself even and like yells, I just want to know Christ and be known by Christ. That's all I need. That's all I want. I want to know Christ better. Sometimes we accidentally, or some of us pers- per- like purposefully, we scream, we just want to do for Christ. We want to do with Christ. Or We just want to serve someone less, right? We want to do that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad deal or comes from a bad place, but that's just, that's us. It's hard for us to think about knowing God. It's sometimes easier for us to just think about serving, our problem even in that is that our servanthood stops when we, when we don't get recognized the way we think we should for it, I feel like. I feel like our servanthood is half measure and it's still nice. It might be better than most. It might still make your friends say, oh wow, my goodness, that person is the nicest person. They are very giving, right? It still may make people say that about you. But I think putting on the very nature of a servant is foreign to us still. Because of the way that we talk about our parents. Because of the way we talk about people less enlightened or less progressive. Or that are more established or whatever else. The way we we seem to say things and think that way and the way we treat our husbands and our wives, the way we the way our coworkers really know us, I don't feel that we put on the nature of a servant. I feel like we serve. And there is a great distinction there. And we would do well to know the distinction. We would do well as a church to spend actual time deciding to submit to servanthood. And not just for other people, but for the ways of God. For the kingdom of heaven that is actually at hand, moving, and changing the world in front of us. And if we want to be a part of it, we will be servants. We, we want to be first. We want to lead. We want to pioneer things, right? That's us. It's our generation. Fortunately and unfortunately. I'm going to pioneer everything. But when it comes to being a servant, to sitting at the end of the table, that's hard for us. It's hard for us to to say yes to something where we're not going to be seen for it and no one's going to congratulate us. It's just not our way, unfortunately. We don't submit to that. And, And I mean this. This week, I've been confronted over and over with that and I need to repent of that. Change the way I think of that. I need God to completely change and shift my mind on what it means to submit to being a servant. I do. And it shows itself in the, some really ugly ways and some really funny ways, some really odd ways, but it showed itself to me all week. And I think we would do well to repent of that. And then the, the last one, I won't spend as much time on this one, we're, we're close on time, so... The last one, and I think Jesus uh, also pioneered this so well, this idea of submitting to joy. I know we're talking about submitting to servanthood, and that sounds like not fun, right? So if you're going to submit to being a servant, you always have to be like downtrodden or or have like a serious, pensive face or whatever else, right? But instead, being a servant can be extremely joyful, right? Submitting to this way can be, in fact, a blast. So Jesus walks around and is constantly putting on like the form of a servant and putting on the, the suit and the presence and the, the character of this servant. Yet everywhere he goes, people just want to be around him all the time, probably not because he was so serious and downtrodden and mournful and in a terrible mood, probably because he was a blast. When he played with kids enough to where his disciples were like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't be playing so fun right now. We're about serious things. Get away, kids. You're making Jesus laugh too hard." Right? No, that's—I have no idea if that's even how that went. I'm just saying, like, when they start shooing kids away because Jesus is too fun, and all the kids want—kids don't want to play with really boring, serious people. Just letting you know, right? That doesn't mean if. Our kids don't come play with you that you're boring and serious. But I mean, (laughs) but they don't. They don't. They don't. Even at our house, they pick the one who's being the smiliest at the moment usually to play with. That happens even at our home. I know that I'm being grumpy when they only ask Lily to play trains with them. I'm like, why can't I play trains? And they're like, "Uh, if you want to, it's fine. (laughs) Probably because you have a scowl on for the last 40 minutes and you've been reading your emails. That's why. I don't (laughs) want to play trains with you, right? Jesus apparently was really fun. Apparently was incredibly joyful. People flocked to him because they wanted to get a sense of it. They wanted a part of it. They wanted it to rub off on them, right? They want this joyful, healing teacher to just be around them. And the sad thing is, we have to submit to joy because we let the heaviness of our lives rule our lives. Sometimes I even think, and and this is myself, this is myself, and again, the majority of us probably, but mostly myself, we'll start there. I think sometimes being frustrated or, or like stressed or anxious feels good in some way or something. Maybe it feels like that means we're about to accomplish something. Or maybe it feels like we're hard workers because of that. Or maybe it's just familiar. Maybe it's familiar and so it tastes good because we know it. But I think somehow heaviness and stress and anxiety or just worry is just delicious, sadly, to us. And it's like poison. Because the more we drink it, it's like we crave it more. You, you have this crazy stressful time at work that weekend you just kind of want to continue it right instead of just submitting to the joy that's just naturally around us submitting to the joy of your coworkers lives submitting to the joy of Jesus way and teachings Jesus in the garden before he goes to pray by himself, he's praying with his disciples. And he says, he says to them, he gives them this long teaching about loving each other, right? And about obeying his commands. And he says, that the crazy thing, guys, is that when you obey my commands and you submit to my commands, you're loving me as well. And he says, and I want you also to love each other. Let that be the thing that describes you. Let the world know you because you love each other, right? Do you remember that? It says, let the world know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Let your love be so fierce for each other that the world just knows who you are because you submit to that. And then he says, this crazy thing, he says, I say all these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This idea of, of loving one another and enjoying God's love to us, and and giving it back in obedience and submission, this idea completes our joy. That this would make us utmost joyful in all circumstances. Not happy, that's fleeting, sometimes happy, but not always. Happiness, not always emotional, but this deep-seated characteristic and a part of us that is joy. That it may be complete and full in us. That our life might feel full because the joy is overflowing because of what Jesus is teaching us and what we're choosing to see in our world around us. That we would submit to joy, not our need to feel stressed, not our need for frustration, not our need to see things in others that make us feel good about ourselves because we're just obviously better than them but this idea that for us, because of who we are, it would take us to submit to joy. Maybe we repent of that. We say, no, God, I I do want your joy to flow from my life to others, but also just for me. I do. And so God, as I, I choose to submit to your way, as I choose to live a life that serves as I choose to really say, as Paul did, that, that no debt be outstanding amongst, amongst us except the debt of what? Loving one another. Of enjoying each other. That that debt would be the only thing we feel we should repay to each other. That as we do that, we would submit to the joy that comes from those things. That we would recognize it and search for it. That We would, we would even when it creeps up on us, not to push it back down because we're supposed to feel mournful or we're supposed to be angry, or we're supposed to feel cheated, or we're supposed to feel like what we're going through isn't fair, but that we would say no, I want the way of joy, and I will submit to that And maybe as we look at the life of Jesus and we see him submit over and over and over again it starts to take hold in us maybe that becomes what we live by, It's idea that submitting isn't always awful and it's not always a loss But in fact, submitting can make our joy complete. That submitting, saying mercy, can be beautiful. Because then we might receive it. That saying, yes, please, joy, give it to me, that we might have it. That as we start to serve each other and start to put on the nature of servants, the embodiment of service, it would make us happy. That it would be fun to do. That our joy inside would be complete. So let's pray about that. God, we we love you and we do want that for us. We want to be people who take on your likeness. That, That you said if there's any company in your joy, if there's any communion in your presence, That we would accept it and submit to it, and we do. God, we want to tell you too that the more we think of submitting, the more we are overwhelmed by your submittance to the cross, to us. We just sang that your love was powerful, that it left the 99, that it was relentless towards us. We just sang that. And my goodness, the submittance that had to come. For you to do those things for us. The fact that you put on the nature of a servant to love us well. Please help us to, to be contemplative about that, to repent where we should, where you're leading us to. Because we love you so. In Jesus' name.